This is BungaCast, the global politics podcast at the end of the end of history with Philip Cunliffe. Hello. Hey. George Hoare. Hi. And myself, Alex Hochuli. Um So uh, today's topic is something that I suggested, much to the chagrin of George and especially Phil, because I suggest we talk about what's beyond neoliberalism. What is capitalism going to do next? And they felt that, particularly Phil, felt, we've done this before. Why are we talking about this again? We're always talking about this. Um, so I want to set up the terms in which uh, I think it's worth discussing this. The point is not to have an academic debate. It's not about just categorizing, labeling, and going, well, is this political economic order still called neoliberalism? Is it called something else? Um, because that really uh, does sound purely of academic interest. We're not just looking at this new species and going, well, you know, does it roar or just purr? Does that make it a pantherine or a feline? Um, by the way, that's the main divisions within the Felidae, you know, cat family. So uh, don't say you don't learn anything wow. on BungaCast. Um, I also want to take a little bit of inspiration from a recent guest, Dylan Riley, who um, made, or rather um, put in, in, in neat terms, uh, a very important point, which is that a lot of meth- methodological problems um, in, in academia, in social sciences and so on, are actually just obfuscate, obfuscated political problems that um, what questions that should be resolved politically and traditionally were resolved or attempted to be resolved politically um, by advancing a theory within the context of an organization, a political party, and then tested out through action, um, no longer is the case because political parties have been hollowed out and depoliticized. And so uh, with that in mind, I thought we should try to take this question of what is what would be beyond neoliberalism and, and treat it in a very uh, serious political way. Um, looking at what the action that would ensue from uh, a certain understanding, a certain theoretical understanding. If you're saying that what is after neoliberalism is, for example, more authoritarian, um, how does that mean that one should respond? What should one's demands be? How should one organize, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, this is not just uh, an academic debate, but it should be something that is uh, intimately political and something that we do need to have an answer for. Now, just to set up um, kind of where we are in the world, um, we have uh, written in the end of the end of history and argued on this podcast and elsewhere um, that we are moving towards some sort of new disposition uh, and certainly that uh, that neoliberalism has lost its political and intellectual authority, even if so many um, aspects of the way our societies are organized still look um, pretty much neoliberal. Um I think this new disposition that is emerging uh, is certainly not a political economic arrangement driven by the working class. It's probably not even a class compromise of any sort. It's maybe not even really influenced by the masses. I think at best what we can say is that it reflects uh, certain challenges by populists, both left and especially from the right, over the past uh, decade. And and the change is not a product of uh, the uh, political action of working class organizations. Uh, The populists often... Um, kind of cross-class assemblages of um, provincial notables, small business owners, as well as counter-elites. And in many ways, a lot of the reaction against neoliberalism and the shuffling towards something different might be uh, driven by elites' fears of these counter-elites and these 
movements which challenge their authority, um, but not necessarily ones which do so in the name of uh, the working class or working class interests. Of course, that that is something that we might want to question. Now, at worst, it's really just capital and its agents fumbling away past a crisis-ridden system to a new regime of accumulation, effectively how you make money, and looking for new means of legitimation. Basically, how do you make sure people don't revolt? Um, so given that any potential post-neoliberalism as things stands it are, is not something that is in the popular interest or is necessarily more democratic because there's no reason it necessarily should be, um, we have to ask how to properly respond to that. One final point, I think that post-neoliberalism might provide a better playing field, um, to put it that way, but it's certainly not our field. Uh, but knowing the terrain would be essential to oppose what's coming rather than seeking to fight the last war, as the left so often has seemed to have done. Um, so we've uh, picked up sources from from um, a range of uh, places to kind of inform our discussion here, um, and we'll refer to them uh, as we uh, go through and maybe include some of them in the show notes. So I think, firstly, um, there seems to be kind of a, a centrist move beyond neoliberalism and a right-wing one, and we'll discuss these in turn. So firstly, the, the kind of centrist one is being called productivism. Um, or alternately, um, a kind of sub- supply-side progressivism, um, just for um, the kind of definitional issue here. But a lot of kind of neoliberal policies, deregulation, lower taxes, free trade, and so on, were discussed as supply-side economics. <laughs> this supply-side progressivism that's emerging, and one could see the Biden administration as um, serving as an example of many of these sorts of policies, uh, is something pretty different. So firstly, what is this productivism that's emerging from effectively the political center in uh, many Western capitals? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, um, it's it's not a term that's particularly sort of familiar to, to my ears as a, as a British listener. That sounds like listener of the podcast, obviously listener of the podcast, but just like ears as a listener. But it's this idea that you kind of have less faith in the markets, you have like, kind of a move away from like large corporations solving everything and you kind of you kind of start to talk less about the global and more about the local and the different parts of the country and why some places have been left behind or or however you want to to frame it and move towards production and investment i mean it's it's quite a um i don't think that productivism is is quite right though because it's not a at least in my understanding, it's not really a, a kind of building industries approach. It's much more technocratic than that. It's kind of the central planners, such as they are in across the US or the UK, just basically thinking what what are the areas of the country what, that have what really central shit? planners? Well, well the, the central planners, as in the special advisors <laughs> of um, different political parties, like being like, oh yeah, this is a crap place to live. We're gonna. We're going to see what we can do, do some good PR, try and get people to not think these places are so shit anymore. This is, this is my like interpretation of, um, of productivism that it's not really, you know, it's not really in the fa- in like the interest of labor. It's just a way to kind of gloss, have a technocratic gloss on some of the problems of post-industrialism and post-industrial societies, which are very regionally focused. I mean, I'd say it's a debate, you know, kind of it's a discourse more than anything meaningful. That might change with the kind of battery of um, Biden legislation, which is coming, you know, coming through or just kind of recently been passed, the Inflation Reduction Act and what have you. Um, 
IRA and uh, Irish Republican Army. That confused me a bit when I saw some of the headlines about. Yeah, it was the, very the jarring. EU, the competition between we, the EU. We knew and the he liked IRA. to play up his Irish roots, but um, you know that's going too far. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, um... hey there! You've reached the end of a short excerpt from an episode that's been released only to our patrons. If you'd like to join us and gain access to around two Patreon-exclusive episodes a month, please go to patreon.com/bungacast. We'd love to have you.